With hospitality now reopening in London, you may be in the unfortunate position of having already cancelled your face-to-face trade tasting, or worse still, in limbo about whether or not to go ahead. If you're struggling to safely recreate your trade tasting online, I'd love to see if I can help. My evergreen online trade tasting service lets countries, regions and producers reach the trade at a time and place of their choosing. Applying the experience of recording tastings with more than 160 producers, I will ensure that the stories and production details are heard by your target audience in an engaging way without the friction of an in-person tasting. Safely meet and exceed the objectives of your scheduled trade tasting with an online product that delivers more. Write to me, Interpreting Wine founder Lawrence Francis at hello at interpretingwine.com to learn more. Today's episode of the Biodynamic Winemaking Special features a panel discussion between Saracen Estate and specially invited members of the UK wine trade. Setting the scene, we hear principles and practices from owner and winemaker at Saracen Estate. Before hearing from sommeliers who are tasked with translating this to the end consumer, we also hear from Saracen Estate's UK importer, Enotrian Co., and Saracen Estate's global brand ambassador. If you've ever wanted to understand the issues around biodynamic farming and winemaking, from a variety of points of view, then this is the episode for you. Enjoy. This is Michael Saracen from Saracen Estate in Marlborough, New Zealand, uh, explaining why we are a biodynamic vineyard. We started planting in the early 90s, and within a year, I understood that it was possible in a cool region to become organic. In other words, no fungicide, herbicide, or pesticides. Within a few years after that, we adopted biodynamic, which is a more rigorous form of organics where you don't uh, use any chemicals, as with organic, but also working with what is traditional architecture from many, many countries, working with phases of the moon, companion planting, etc. And my uh, departure point, I guess, is if you can grow grapes and make wine without chemicals, why not? In a cooler region, as I said, it's a bit simpler. Virtually everybody who works with us embraces this just as a principle because they feel very comfortable with it. For sure, it's a lot harder work. There's a lot more walking around, you know, not so much time on tractors and four-wheel drive vehicles, just so you get closer to the... Uh, earth i guess and there's an element of a holistic nation notion that you start with the earth which is sort of healthy you have a vine in there and the circle of everything that goes back into the fruit and again i like the idea of that and to quote Anne claude laflav the thing she got as much pleasure than anything else was a handful of earth and smelling the life in it and i think that probably sums up my approach to it as well so you live you're working with a a living vibrant entity um that's pretty much it so uh tamara washington our winemaker who's going to talk next is much more articulate and passionate and knowledgeable about wine yeah i think carrying on from michael 
and certainly it's something I've still got a great deal to learn about, learning every day, but really everybody's so attached to the vineyard and very much this is where it all starts and as a winemaker being able to be incredibly close to the vineyard, spending a lot of time with our viticulturalist Joao who's an incredibly passionate Brazilian guy who just is crazy <coughs> about farming biodynamically and organically and you know he always says what does it mean for him biodiversity biodynamics is biodiversity so he's encouraging so many different insects companion planting as Michael said he's just going for it especially this growing season uh, we have so many different species in the vineyard all the preparations and it's really putting as much vibrancy and life into the soil as possible and using everything from our own site there's only a, a couple of uh, one or two preparation not even preparations I think a bit of seaweed that we bring in and we talked about this the other day um, cow horns we bring in from organic cows but everything that fills the cow horns the compost the manure everything is what's created in the vineyard yeah, we're sort of self-sufficient self-sufficient in that way and there's a real there's just a feeling when you arrive at Raupo there's a real energy it's just so alive and it's not you know we get used to seeing especially in the new world and in a place like Marlborough where it's pretty much a monoculture now with you know Sauvignon rows and rows and rows of Sauvignon planted and not even much space on the headland really just it's just a wash with vineyards but to have the special place that actually has it's like a working farm it's, it's in fact Michael described it perfectly it's like an old working Tuscan farm with all sorts of different animals plants there's the olive trees there's the fallow land um, it's not just about the vineyard which is wonderful we do also we're really starting to approach our winemaking, looking at the biodynamic calendar as well. And we've seen really good results in terms of the phases of the moon as to you know, when we're getting the most compact leaves, for example, when we decide to uh, rack our wines or choosing the right phase of the moon for when we're um, bottling, when we're actually not filtering, so that our leaves are really compact and we can get a really nice racking straight to bottle. We don't need to filter. Also, we see with our natural fermentations, and this sounds a bit crazy and you've got to see it to believe it, but often the natural fermentations go in and out of sort of their their life, really. Different yeasts will come and go and they'll die off and then everything will be very quiet for a number of days and you get very frightened because it looks like the whole thing has stopped. And all of a sudden... It'll pick off off again and there'll be activity on top of the look in the tank and all of a sudden it's happening again and you realise there's a full moon or about to be a full moon and it just creates all this activity. So it's something I'm still learning about but I really believe in it and I want to use it more in our approach to the winemaking. I think what's really fascinating to me about that is that there's obviously there's a depth of principle, there's the depth of approach and there's obviously then a lot of learning that's still going on you know and this sort of interaction between you and the and the land and the and the lees and you know all of these components of the of the winemaking i think the thing that fascinates me around really i guess the sharp end and you know 
the selling of the wines on is 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 really you know around that i guess restaurant setting where time is potentially limited um and you know you've got all of this i guess knowledge in your head and maybe you've been to the to the vineyard and you've seen it firsthand it's just yeah how do you go about communicating that which elements of that story do you do you communicate and you know give us a a flavor a, a sense of 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 how that how that goes and uh, you know maybe how that might be changing over time Okay, just introduce myself. My name is Stefan. Um, I work for Manor and Rental for one particular restaurant, which is called Dinner Behesten Blumenthal. Now, <clears throat> the sharp end with biodynamic and organic wines. Um, my personal belief that this is very much, in the end of the day, it all comes down to the quality of the wine. And I think today's tasting in the morning has shown you're not only doing it because you believe in it, you're not only doing this because you thought like it's it's now the right thing to do at the 90s and the early 2000s. You're doing it because it reflects in the quality of it. It positively has an impact on on texture elements of the wine, has a positive impact on flavors uh, and on aromas. It generally creates a good vibrance, not only within the team, not, not only within, within the winemaking team, but within, you could say, the entire estate. And I think the way how we, or the way I see at least my job is, I'm on that end where I try to pick out the best elements that could relate to organic and biodynamic. And it's something which comes along in a conversation with a guest and rather it's my first initial selling point. Because the, my first, not selling point, but the first argument I would normally bring is about what would you like to have? What would you like to drink? That's my first question. Then I would be like, well, I think I have something for you. Could be that that particular aroma, that particular flavor thereafter, that particular variety, that particular region. And I think organic and biodynamic then sort of rolls into the conversation as it goes along. And I think what is interesting for us is then to see actually what the real impact is and how you, that you can see actually from different vintages how the wine changes in a positive way. And I think, you know, with, with biodynamic in particular, it's, it's a fascinating subject and it can go in so much depth. I think from a customer point of view, over the last years, people are getting more and more interested in it. People ask more and more questions because we all want to know where um, our ingredients, where things come from. We want to know what is the ethical origin, how how these products have been treated, how they've been, have they been strongly modified. We talked before about herbicides and pesticides. People are in general more health conscious, and I think biodynamic feeds into that. Now, from my personal point of view, maybe natural wine, to some extent, has taken this a little bit too far. Um, where you sometimes maybe fall into the trap, the compromise, the taste or the flavor of it. But I think for biodynamic, it very much ties in with your whole philosophy. And I think the philosophy here is that it's more about achieving something which, regardless of the day, regardless of the time you want to drink, you want to enjoy. And if that is, if that, is the tool of bio, being biodynamic provides you that, well, then it's a win-win situation at the end of the day. Now, I think from a customer point of view, what is interesting to see that, yes, you can talk about preparation techniques. You can talk about um, what you do in a vineyard. Um, but I think, you know, what is for them as well, that you can tell them that the sky is blue. But if it turns out it's like a gray day like today, um, well, it's not really the ideal outcome. No? What you want is that you tell them about biodynamic, but you don't build the entire case around it. You actually then let the wine do the talking as well. You let the wine convince the people. And I think, you know, for your range that does, you know, because it's diverse, it shows that there's a real difference in terms of sight and there's a real difference in terms of 
even from a, from a novice point of view, that you can pick up differences in terms of wines. And I think that makes it interesting. So I think, you know, biodynamic is the tool which you use in order to create an experience for a guest or from a consumer point of view, something which is that little bit of magic, that little bit of fascination which you can get with it. Hello, everyone. My name is Melody. <clears throat> I work for Skyline Restaurant, which is one of the restaurants under D&D Group in London. So uh, about the organics and also biodynamic wines, I have two different point of view. From a customer's point of view, I think uh, it's become like a trendy phrase of customers often looking for organics and biodynamic wines. But I believe actually not everyone are very familiar with the definition and also um, the idea of the terms itself. Um, but there's definitely increase of awareness of people aware of those wine does exist. Um, but I believe many customers not actually aware that 90% plus of New Zealand wine actually uh, been is actually made in an organic way. And actually most of the Burgundy and increased number of wine who produce in Bordeaux are actually organics. But of course, this is not something that very often will be labeled uh, under the wine label. So that's why not many customers are aware of. But uh, in terms of the trend of organic, I think it's definitely uh, raising awareness of the public. We all believe that this is something which benefit to the earth and also to human consumption as well. In terms of the wording of biodynamics, I think that creates certain uh, confusion or misunderstanding by customers. Very often have been uh, mixed with the word of organics or natural wine. So the definition was not really very clear for most of our clientele. However, they come to the point of the sommelier role, which is uh, what I'm working as a career right now. As a sommelier is part of our role, to guide our guests through regarding of particular phrasing. We are not here to educate our guests, but we're here to guide them through in order to find one that they're willing to have. Very often, organics and biodynamic become a selling tour and also a selling point for us. It kind of eyes catching, catch the attention of the customers to give more attention or preferable in a uh, in a in a positive way to that particular wine, and we can see an increase of demand on wine in those under those vinification. Hi, I'm Emma Robinson, and I work for Notcher and Co, who are importing Saracen wines. Um, I suppose from my perspective, so I'm often selling into restaurants and bars and hotels, and what we, what I found is in the past two or three years, this topic of organic and biodynamic has become much more at the forefront and important when selecting a wine list. And it's actually got to the point now where we have lots of customers who will only list organic or biodynamic wines, which you wouldn't have found that case five, ten years ago. So that's seen a real big, yeah, we've seen a real big change in that. Um, so in terms of having Saracen working with us, we're so happy because I think that opens a lot more customers and a lot more doors for us Um and if, if personally, uh, if I would pick the portfolio, we would have only organic and biodynamic wines. And potentially maybe in 15 years that could be possible. But I think we've all seen in the past year or two this kind of rise in people wanting to be a bit more careful with the planet. I mean, you can only see like the rise in veganism recently. And customers are increasingly wanting to know that they're, what they're consuming is, is not 
causing harm. And ultimately, I think it's definitely customer driven. And we'll see more of that probably in the next year. I think 2020 will be a, a big year for biodynamics and sustainability and all topics around that. I think, in fact, listening to what everybody's contributing now, I just made the uh, dictate, benevolent dictated decision. I think we just got to call ourselves biodynamic. The problem is, and if people ask what it is, you just say it's a much more rigorous form of organics, which it is. And I think then, if people are seriously interested, you start with like phases of the moon, which is one of the major things. And the strange thing is that now we have to be certified. Organic or biodynamic have to be certified. All of the others don't have to. You can put pretty much what you like on your vines and on the soil. And it's only afterwards if anybody chooses to test the uh, residue, what residues there are. But in f- and it's called conventional. However, conventional was, in essence, what we're doing, which it was up until the 1950s when the whole you know, the agrochemical world was sort of uh, became part of a lot of uh, what we eat. And I think that sustainable for me is a marketing term. It means absolutely nothing at all. It's like you use chemicals until you, you know, you, you don't, you're not, you're not one thing or the other. It's, it is a marketing term, I believe. And maybe in other industries it's appropriate. I don't believe in our industry it is. I think it's misused. And I think now we've got to stick to biodynamic. I really do. Because I think biodynamic and organic, we are biodynamic. That's it. You know, organic, we've moved on 15 years ago from organics. And I think, but the most important thing, and you touched on it, is first and foremost, drinking wine should be about joy. You should read, that's it. And however you arrive there, there's various roads to get there. And some of the most beautiful wines in the world are probably, you know, serious wines in the world, the other end of the spectrum from us. So I think it's a combination of us respecting the earth, the provenance, which is in a way what you were saying about what we eat and drink, but also if you can work with nature rather than being confronting it, you know, filling the earth up with all sorts of stuff which kill it, basically. So I think that that is, uh, I mean, would you agree in terms of describing to people, you guys who, you know, deal with clients and customers, that it's... if you say a biodynamic wine, and I think most people I talk to about it, they do understand phases of the moon, tides and all the rest of it, and then you can get into more details, and I mean some of which are a bit mumbo-jumbo, but actually, and I can't remember her name, there's an interesting, I think she's German journalist here, you you know her, who says there is a science behind biodynamics, because a lot of it is perceived yeah. as mumbo-jumbo, oh yeah man, you you know, you, you stir it one way, then the other way, and you have these centers of energy and all the rest of it. But that there is a science. I don't know what it is, but, you know, she was very adamant about it. I spent a couple of hours talking to her about it. And I found that... Hmm? I think it's creating that sort of basically bacterial life, fungi life, yeah. that basically creating life, yeah. if that's what you're doing. But if, yeah, I don't know if that's a science or not. Anyway, that's my other little bit. Leah, you deal with people on a thing. Do you want to have a little say? My daughter, Leah. <laughs> um. Yes, well, I work as the brand ambassador um, for Saracen Estate. It's a bit of a silly name. Basically, I tell the story. You know, my father's very busy and Tamara winemaker is out there actually doing the proper job of making the wine. So I do. I support the sales team and customers. And what I love about the biodynamic element is that you're bringing a really interesting story to people. And people are fascinated. And people may not understand what it is. And initially, they might be slightly... <laughs> sort of nervous about it or think what's going on but actually when you start to talk about it a it's almost i feel it's almost like equal to the wines it's it 
the story becomes fascinating. It starts to make sense. It becomes, there's complexity there. There, like it allows me in my job that I have a lot to say. And then when you then match this with the wines, they have a lot to say. So somehow the the nature of working biodynamically actually is absolutely reflected in the quality of the wines and the complexity of the wines. And as I said, when you talk to people, you know, and I'm talking about customers, I'm not talking about people in the wine industry. Most won't know what biodynamics are. But when you start to talk about phases of the moon, it is something very quickly people can get to understand. I mean, the very nature of the tides coming in and out. If you talk about that, if you're pruning, you know, to do the, obviously you don't want so much water in the, the vine. It's a very easy concept to actually put across. And what's beautiful about talking about biodynamics is a very visual idea. It's a very, it's not technical. It's actually something that people can grasp very quickly when you're able to explain in a very sort of, like I said, a visual, evocative, no offence to average wine talk, but I mean, having done part of the WSET, I mean, I find the sort of general, you know, breakdown of flavour profiles, well, it can be intimidating. Um, I've now made an... I will never now tell people what a wine smells like, I think, because immediately what that will do is take away their ability, and quite often is intimidating. What I think is lovely about biodynamics, you can really bring people to learn for themselves and feel for themselves and really become part of the story. So I just think it's a wonderful tool, and actually by describing it, it really brings people far more interested not just into our wine but just into the wines in general and how these wines are made and the effort and it's funny I mean people you can't see the wine but our emblem is my father's handprint it's a really powerful image I mean obviously it's an image that's been around for thousands of years and I'm quite often when I finish talking about you know the wines at the end of an evening I say fundamentally that's what it's about and the thing about biodynamics it's this it's hands-on Everything sounds like effort, the rigour, the time, you know, and I think people really, really react to that in a very positive way. Um, and they generally will go on and, like, you know, look more into it. So, yes, I think um, working and describing biodynamics to the unknown or people who don't understand about it, 95% of it really come on board and walk away with a, I think, a far greater appreciation of wines and far more kind of, oh, this is brilliant, oh, now I get this, now I get that. And they sort of have an understanding of why they might be getting that. When you're explaining about the wild yeast, when you're explaining these things, it's giving them the tools to fall in love with it themselves and understand it themselves. Yeah, so that's my take on it. So I had this really long conversation. I think it was part of buying my wedding wine, um, which is another story. But somehow I went to this wine estate, and I know this gentleman really well. His name is Michael Mosbrucker. So he looks after a winery, which is called Schloss Gobersburg, and it dates back to 1171. So it's one of the oldest, um, you can say, active monasteries, which is still producing wine. And it's so interesting to see when they actually still got a lot of records how wine was produced, literally, you could say, back in the days. And uh, now these days, discussion coming up or how natural wine is like how wine was made 100, 200, 300 years ago. And it's like, that's sort of only partly true in his opinion, because he says, well, if you look back when the monks were quite adamant in writing down what they were doing with the wine, they called this the education of the wine. Uh, and that sort of Started on off, started off with being élevage in French and Schulung in German, and for them it was always about keeping the the must as clean as possible. Uh, it was always about uh, working as hygienic as possible, 
and yes, of course, they they were very very keen on uh, at that time there was no biodynamic principles uh, written down in any way, but they were very keen on on doing certain work at certain times of uh, the week in the months because they saw the best results. And these res- the, um, when they saw a bad results, they still recorded it for the future not to make that same mistake again. Now these days we're sort of trying to reinvent certain things which have been around the for centuries. centuries yeah. yeah, and it's it's kind of funny for us to see you know, because. Organic and biodynamic is not something which is new. Biodynamic definitely uh, biodynamic is not something which is new, but maybe it has now. It ties in with a time of our life. Like everyone wants a little, know, know a little bit more about where products come from, how products have been treated or not treated. So the sort of maybe that's the reason why biodynamic now has sort of a slight rise. Or organic biodynamic products because people in general are more interested in it. Mm. But no one really cares if this was around a thousand years ago or not. A thousand years ago, no. but it was. I think it's just giving it that cult thing, that sort of, you know, the born-again element of it, which is often quite superficial. It's to be to be seen to be doing it as opposed to just getting on and doing it. Yeah. And, and, and that's what we do, you know, without going getting all preachy about it. And I, I think, think you made the perfect example, sorry for interrupting you, no. you made the perfect example with your winemaker getting, uh, or your viticulturist getting up at 4.30 in the morning, uh, taking funny. taking pictures at 4.30 <laughs> in the morning. You know, <laughs> at that time, you know, he cares about the vineyard more yeah. than anything else. You know, yeah. He cares about what he's doing in the right. vineyard. Right. Uh, and he cares about his, you know... This is his daily routine and does it with, with, with joy and he loves oh, it. Oh, totally. Yeah. Absolutely. Close to an obsession but without, being, <laughs> but without being all sort of holy roller about it. This is not, there's a good saying for this. The weak, weak people call obsession a dedication or something like this. No, yeah. Dedication is sometimes described by weak people as obsession. There we go. Oh, nice. Yeah. So good. I think that's like, you know, you can be very dedicated to it and some people would see you obsessed about it but yeah. you're not. You're just very dedicated. Yeah. One question, I think, potentially ties a lot of these things together. Um, I think, yeah, I think you're absolutely right, Stefan. I think, you know, just around potentially going back to kind of how things were doing. And, and, you know, I think back to the idea of labels as well. And like your point, Melody, around the, you know, potentially some quite classic producers, which, you know, are not necessarily going to have a flashy label, not going to necessarily wear their um, biodynamic principles kind of on their sleeve. But they've kind of been doing that for so long. I mean, I I, I tasted a, a Chateau Gris actually on the podcast with Jan Konetsky. And uh, it was interesting for me to listen back to myself because I kind of thought this is just such a classic wine. And, it, and I made the assumption that it, you know, had been made using, I guess, quite conventional techniques. And he was able to, to say, actually, you know, kind of put aside the perceptions of the label and whatever other perceptions I might have had, this this has been biodynamic sort of forever, you know, and, and these sorts of things. And um, I don't know. I, I, I think, you know, maybe what might be, we might be in an interesting phase now where, you know, we are needing to kind of show the biodynamic label and certification to kind of set aside ourselves. But potentially, you know, over time, it, it may just be, the, again, the brand, you know, people, people see Saracen, as an example, and they know what that means, you know, what kind of goes into that, the rigor, that it is biodynamic, you know, and, and, and in a way, you know, that's, that's kind of enough. Thing, I think initially you've got to really like the wine. Do you know what I mean? You buy it and drink it because you like the wine and then how it's made, how the grapes are grown, how it's made is just adds to that. You say, oh, incidentally, it is biodynamic. 
And in the new world, I think we have to do that because the old world's had, you know, half a century or a century or two centuries to do it, you know, and that's how we've always done it. And I think that it's... Uh, no, I believe it. It's more than thinking. I believe that you, we really love these wines, whosoever they are, but, oh, and incidentally, you know, biodynamic. Oh, cool. Does that add anything? And that's for other people to say. In other words, if you made two wines, identical wines, one conventional, one biodynamic, without and in a blind tasting, could you tell the difference? I doubt it very much. And in the end, so it's a choice. And also this thing of provenance, you know, okay, if you can. We're fortunate. We're in a cool region. It requires a lot more hands-on work. But I'll tell you what, watching Tamara, last vintage, vintage before, walking out into the vineyard with our viticulturists, looking at a bunch of grapes, grabbing them like that and just eating them. You can't do that. <laughs> and saying, and watching her get all excited about a field blend. And she's like, oh, well, brilliant. What do you think? Da, da, da. You can't do that with regular grapes. You know, you get a bellyache. So, if you're uh, lucky, if you're lucky. <laughs> and your hair falls out and your teeth, but apart from that, <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah, we quite often um, are present at the Raw Wine Festival, and I love it. I think it's fascinating mm. because you are having people pushing all the different boundaries, um, so you learn a lot. But quite often you will see style over substance. So you'll see this hipster, groovy guy and, you know, people are talking about it like this is the most incredible thing and everyone's like it's this cult thing and you go, wow, I can't wait to get over there and see it. So you stand in the queue, you know, this guy, I mean, there's one Austrian guy and deeply arrogant. Um, and I'm actually, no, he wasn't, he was Hungarian, sorry. <laughs> deeply arrogant. And I said, oh, can you explain a little about the wines? I don't explain my wines. Okay, fine. Um, But, you know, there's been talking about it. So so I go, okay, go to taste. It was revolting. It was utterly revolting. And I realised it was the hipster look. It was the fact that they sent up some, you know, one goat and him in a shed and maybe sitting on that mountain with a bit of rough cheese, you know, in a summer holiday it would work. But actually bringing it back to London, sitting down and enjoying that with friends, yeah, Mm. it's, it's a sort of joke almost. So I think... It is about the wine, and it's about creating beautiful wine, and that's, I think, fundamentally, that's what it's about. And that's, however you get there. However you get there. Yeah. Um, and personally, I think, well, I know from Saracen, we all think that to get the best wine is to work this way. And I think a lot of, actually, people with good palates and things would agree, because it just is heads. All that stuff I was saying, those added levels, the you know, using wild fermentation... It is bringing more texture, and I do fundamentally think that they will probably be more interesting than most conventional, so-called conventional wines. My name is Justina. I work for Saracen Estate as well, and um, I was listening really carefully to what Melody had to say because I think I put myself in consumer's boot right now, (laughs) if that's okay. Um, A lot of us really still... um, want to support certain producers and certain brands that we know uh, care for the land. And making these ethical consumer choices may may actually sound a bit Instagram and maybe a little bit naive, but it is quite important to a lot of people now. So uh, we're certainly trying to keep the dialogue with maybe younger generation, maybe consumers who really want to spend their money that way. So they're always very curious about the terroir. And by the way, I think biodynamic wines give you quite a pure expression of the terroir because there is no nothing, no layer in between. There is no agrochemicals, for example. So, um, But then 
going back to that, um, the choices that consumers make, uh, we just want to support the brands and producers that care for the land and for the environment, for animals and people who work there. You know, you you probably quite happily subscribe to this story. <laughs> so what? I mean, I personally like it. So. Okay. Yeah, actually, it's interesting. The younger generations of the younger generations. I mean, you look at, oh, I mean, everybody talk Greta Thunberg now, you know, and the environment. I bet you a lot of kids sign up because they hadn't thought about it until a 16-year-old autistic girl sat outside her school or parliament and all of a sudden she got hundreds of thousands, if not millions. Now, to say that we're part of that is arrogant, and I don't mean to sound like that at all, but the generation that she is you know, probably six, whatever names, X, Generation X, Y, Z, B, whatever, is kids are aware of this quality of your food, the air, your, your the water you drink, etc., etc. And in the bigger scheme of things, and I mean in the biggest everything, that what we're trying to do is be a part of it. Not by design, it was by default more than anything. And I think that is pretty important because we realise we're actually poisoning the world that we're in. We really are. Sounds a bit preachy, that, but there you go that's it over now otherwise I'll start to preach (laughs) thank you so much to all of the participants on the panel I thought it was so interesting getting an insight into the various perspectives on this issue and hope that this episode will provoke further discussion on the topic do please check out below for the website and main social media handles of Saracen Estate and if you do hear this in time and do happen to be attending Pro Wine in Dusseldorf between the 15th and 17th of March 2020, do be sure to stop by the Saracen Stand, which is located in Hall 9 E36. This being the second of this two-part series, it's only left for me to say a huge thank you to everybody that participated. As ever, I would love to have your feedback on this episode, so do find me on social media where I'm at Interpreting Wine on Instagram and Facebook, at Wine Podcast on Twitter, and email hello at interpretingwine.com. And if you're an importer or a producer with views to share in a similar way, do be sure to get in touch to discuss how we might be able to work together. See you next time.